When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. First off, thanks so much for making your way here. Always appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you're not already, I also hope you hit the subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can find us at all the usual spots like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, or YouTube for the video versions. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I am talking with Wolf Alice about their brand new record, Blue Weekend. It's Ellie, Rossell, and Joff Adi. And we're going to be discussing everything from, from alternate versions of some of the songs to writing about the balance of human emotions. Uh, the London songwriters are also going to tell us about building a world with their music videos, of which they're going to have one for every song on the record. Uh, and we'll also get the story behind the song Play the Hits, which involves uh, some fun stuff like um, a night out, uh, some punk guitars, some great punk guitars, and a discarded version, which reportedly they say is over twice as long, like an over five minute version of what eventually became like a two minute song. So let's do this discussing Blue Weekend. It's Kyle Meredith with Wolf Alice. Wow, that's Hi. a big uh, that's a big claim. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm not kidding. Uh, what you all do uh, every single time uh, with this third record is no exception. Um, it's so much fun to be a fan of your band, and I, I honestly do mean that. And and I, I think it's always the thing. Like when you fall for a band, it's always you're like, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do next? How are they going to do it? As I read from the press release, and I don't know how you know important of a statement this is, but it does talk about. I'll actually use the line in the press release, uh, reconfiguring who you were together as a band going into this. Was there a specific sense of purpose as you entered the writing sessions for, for, for this album? You know what? I'm, I'm not too sure other than just a kind of a connection with each other again after such a long period of, well, a connection with each other as writers after such a long period of touring and kind of being on the road. You almost forget that that's part of the job, or at least I do. You know, when you spend 18 months, two years promoting a record, um, you come to an end and then you're like, right, someone says, you've got to write a record now. We go, oh, yeah, I forgot we have to do that. That's a kind of part of the job. So um, just, you know, getting back into that space and kind of sharing ideas and, you know, being creative again was 
was wonderful. Yeah. I don't know if there was any kind of, I don't really think that there was any kind of big overarching uh, master plan to this record. I think we kind of approached it like many other records and just kind of let's start writing, see what happens. So that's just the angle of a press release right there, ultimately, is what that is. That line. <laughs> yeah, em- embellishment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will fall for that. I mean, you all, again, um, one of the things we love is you all cover so much musical ground. Uh, there's rarely a song on these albums that that even fall into the same subgenre of rock uh, within itself. Do you ever cast a song aside because he's like, no, we already have you know, the electronic song, we already have the folk song or what, does it ever come to that when you all, when you all are writing the songs? Yeah, I think we definitely keep dynamic in mind. We don't want all the same, we don't want 11 of the same songs, you know? So yeah, that definitely comes into play. Are there, are there alternate versions of any of these songs where they were written one way and you're like, okay, we already have that. Let's try it in a different way. Yeah, I think, we had with safe from with safe from heartbreak and no hard feelings, which are two of our more kind of well, they are the two sparsest sparsest um, songs. We did have full band kind of built up versions of them, and I think when you play in a rock band or whatever, you often feel like I don't know. It feels quite um, exposing to do. Uh, acoustic kind of songs or whatever but sometimes that's just the best way the song comes through and so even though we messed around with full band versions of those songs eventually we just went back to kind of the bare bones of them it's always been interesting to me like when I was thinking about your album I actually considered Bob Dylan and Prince the way that they would do that they would write the same song five or more different ways you know completely different ways and, and, you know, I, I was never much of a songwriter myself, you know, played around in the bedroom and that's as far as I took that. But but it, you know, I can't I don't know. It seems like I'm trying not to get cliche the way songwriters sometimes talk about their songs as their children or sometimes. But you like you have to make a definitive decision, I guess, at an eventual point in the process. Am I overthinking that or does, is that how it is for, for the like tracks like that you were talking about? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, eventually it's got to, if you're going to record it, you've got to kind of make a decision on on where it's going. You just kind of, we always kind of, it's whatever feels right. And sometimes you don't know what feels right. But uh, it's that kind of feeling where you make it, you can't make a decision or whatever, and you toss a coin to just make up your mind. And that's the only way, when you, when you when it lands on heads you realize that you wanted tails you know what I mean it's like that kind of you just got to be like okay this doesn't feel right mm. and after we kind of if you can't really can't make up your mind you go back to how you first wrote it because that kind of is often like how it came out authentically it must mean something you know so. right right first thought best thought or sometimes demoitis you know depending on what it's speaking for uh ellie when i when i do listen to lyrics on here and everything or maybe it's what you've said in in some interviews leading up to this too because it does seem like there's a bit about busting up assumptions um why do small gestures need to mean something bigger i think you're referencing one of the songs there why does the end of a relationship need to be miserable was there a sense of that kind of purpose of going in and say this doesn't always have to mean this 
maybe subconsciously I don't really know um I think writing often helps you make sense of things especially things that are otherwise uh multifaceted or confusing or whatever so yeah they're often posing questions because you're trying to make sense of something if that makes sense well, I guess that what is interesting about this record to me is that it's not so much a struggle, but there is a balance. I mean, you both consider the happy side of existence and the sad side of existence. And I, I don't get the sense that there needs to be a winner uh, by the end of it. No, exactly. I think, you know, we, I think we, you know, tend to, you know, we are writings we are very much informed about, you know, what's happened in our lives and the kind of years between making records and, you know, us as human beings, you know, experience a whole range of different kind of emotions and, and things. And just to focus on one of them, one of them specifically, I don't know, it would kind of be maybe a bit boring, I, I think. You know, life's, there's a lot to it. Well, I guess I, I also think of albums sometimes in a linear fashion. Of course, they're not always meant to be, as, as you're saying, you know, but uh, do you all ever consider that, though? I mean, in the way you write to to tell a, a complete story from one end to the other, like, is that album in you, at, uh, you know, somewhere down the line? I think like so far, we've never let that aim get in the way of the songs themselves. You know, like, if we've wrote a re one of our favorite songs, but it totally doesn't does not fit with any of the others that like we often would put it in anyway because if it's all of the of the same time one that that is the running theme you know this was written over this period of time two you know people as you say not everyone consumes albums in a linear way like you know especially of like playlist culture so if you've got a really good song it's a shame not to put it out there just because it doesn't fit with the other level. but I do have that kind of like um don't know what it is like that kind of I like things to flow and I like it to feel like packaged in one world kind of thing and I think even though we don't let that get in the way of the songwriting we do then try and bring that out post writing you know that's one of the things that we want like a producer to help us with or the track listing to help us with or in this case I think like the visual side of it was that was like where we drew out that kind of building a world thing because this wasn't a concept album, but there were bits you could draw out to make it seem kind of conceptual or whatever. Visually speaking, since you brought that up, I, I don't know if I read this wrong. I, I'm kind of hoping I didn't. Uh, is there going to be a video for every song? There is a video for every song. So what brought that on? Like, uh, was it just what Ellie was talking about right there? Wanting to kind of represent it visually? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like, when you get to make music videos, you often only get to make them for your singles, which is sometimes a bit of a shame when you've got visual ideas for some of the other tunes and we had a bit more time this time around because there was no touring to get in the way of making things and stuff. So it was a nice opportunity to, to put more time and effort into the visual side of things. And yeah, we had a director on board, Jordan Hemingway, who was up for it, which was... Cool, yeah. So this is just one director kind of yeah. one like unique vision, I guess, which is this is eight, seen... this was eight days, I think. Eleven music music videos in eight days. Wow. That's some boot camp right there. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's got some stamina. You really is. <laughs> but that is, I mean, there's a chance for the song then to speak for something else, right? I mean, it becomes, I guess my, I'm not saying anything that music videos hasn't done for the past 40 years, uh, but 
but I guess, you know, for what you all are looking for, where does this take your songs? Where, where did you want it to take your songs? The music videos? Yes. Just like maybe kind of reinforce what you're saying, like for people, because we put a lot of thought into like the track listing and, you know, trying to build a, it sounds wanky, but like a journey from track one to track 11. It, we wanted to emphasise that, um, make people listen to it in its entirety. Maybe that's kind of a, makes that more seductive if you've got like these videos that work best in order and stuff. I, I want to ask uh, about a few of the songs too. You're, you're talking about, you know, songs that stand out. And of course, I think one of those is Play the Greatest Hits, <laughs> which is like laugh out loud funny the first time I heard it, because I don't think I was paying attention to the track list either. I don't think I'd seen the song title. So suddenly you got this going and, you know, this punky thing comes in and it's raucous and then the words are there. Does this come from a specific moment? Because there's always that uh, push and pull between a band and like Fairweather fans. Well, yeah, people have interpreted this as like an our audience saying to us, Ugh, just play the greatest hits. But it didn't mean that at all. It meant us as people wanting to hear the greatest hits, you know, like it's about going out and, you know, having big nasty nights out, you know, and wanting to, you know, not, you know, when you go up, like, you know, when you're, on the dance floor, sometimes you just want to hear the greatest hits, you know? Kind of a homage to the less admirable parts of going out. Yeah. It, so, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, it's funny that people have interpreted it as us being like, oh, everyone just wants to hear the greatest hits. It's when actually it's like, we want I want to hear the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that could have fell two different way though, because, you know, as, as a band up there and sometimes knowing that your fans do want to hear a song that maybe you've, you, I don't know if you've gotten tired of it or whatever, but some artists do. But then when you show up to the concert, like, you know, that context, but that doesn't stop you from wanting to hear, you know, Oh, come on, play, play the, play the single man, play, do the thing. <laughs> Where does the uh, where does the music come from on that one? Anywhere specific? Because again, what a great short blast of 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 great punk rock. It was um, so that just started out as a as a riff. Um, yeah, it literally it started out as a riff. We'd um, we'd gone down to Somerset to do a kind of writing retreat at the beginning of the process, um, and I think kind of towards the end we were kind of we 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 kind of had a sem a semi night out a kind of failed night out but in Wolf Alistarly being you know quite a fun and cool night out really um making the most of a weird situation and I think we um <laughs> woke up in that kind of giddy hungover state in the morning and went let's write a song just let's just have fun let's just write a song about an embellishment of what happened the night before and it was this kind of 50 second blast of that and then it finished um, and it was just something we worked on. Um, we worked on quite a bit. I think then there was like a five minute version. Um, and then I think Ellie did a rewrite to kind of make it less ridiculous. And yeah, it ended up where it is now. It's, you know, it was, it was, it was a really, it was a really fun one to do because it was kind of the MO was fun. I'd love to hear the full on ridiculous version of that sometime live if that ever, if that opportunity <laughs> ever falls out there. Uh, I want to quickly ask too, uh, or maybe just compliment you, Smile, there is not a single time that song comes on the radio uh, around here at WFBK that I just don't completely stop everything I'm doing. 
you know, <laughs> from, from, from how you're delivering the vocals to what's going on in the music. I mean, what a perfect rock song that is. <laughs> and then, and then again, that juxtaposition of something like, um, uh, how can I make it? I mean, I'm getting some serious nineties pop vibes off of that one. Where was your head at uh, with, with that track? That's one of the oldest ones, so I can't really remember, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lipstick on the Glass, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm really just throwing compliments out here of, of what you're doing vocally out there. And then uh, and Last Man on Earth, I know I think I'm taking this out of context, but it does, I, actually, I know I'm taking this out of context. Uh, it does seem like a really apt time to be imagining the end of the world. I mean, as I understand, I think this song is a, quite a bit more about, the, about ego uh, as it happens, but has it been interesting to see some of these songs, you know, if they have kind of change, you know, it changed their, their trajectory, their life, their, their meaning once pandemic hit and once we've gone everything of the past year? Yeah, I guess it's always interesting to see how people interpret things and how they can apply them to, like you say, current situations and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating and the beauty of you know making your your right your work available for for everyone rather than keeping it to yourself you know it's just interesting to see what people what people will take from it well i'm certainly enjoying uh my own interpretations uh, taking this again I, I love this record so much uh i i have to thank you both for doing what you do and, and especially thank you for taking the time to talk about it too i really do appreciate it take care to both of you uh once that uh once that tour hits over here i'll be sure to be there and uh i can't wait to see hear all this live thank you so much all right take care guys bye all the best so you want to be a rock and roll star no well how about a podcast star well as it turns out there's a new all-in-one platform just for you it's called anchor and it's the easiest way to make a podcast and check this out it's free There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, No minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now, it was just a couple of years ago that I uh, last got to talk to the band. In fact, it was Joff who was on the phone uh, in 2017. And uh, where we started, well, it was after a massive 2015 uh, that they ended up being Grammy nominated and then faced with the mountain that is known as that sophomore LP. So uh, Joff and I got to talk about that pressure as well as the uh, background behind the song Don't Delete the Kisses and the documentary On the Road, part two of Kyle Meredith with Wolf Alice. Hello. Uh, all the congratulations. It's a, it's a hell of a record, Visions of a Life. And that's, I think, no small feat considering everything that you guys might have been up against for this one, which I, I guess is perception on my part. I, I don't know if that's how you felt about it. I mean, it's the second album. You guys had, you know, 
uh, a smash first record? Is is there a lot of pressure going into this one? Pressure from ourselves, I think. You know, I mean, obviously there's there's you know people that maybe have some level of expectation um, outside the four of us, but you know, going in to do a second record, you, you you kind of just got to please yourself. You don't you don't have the luxury of you know kind of touring and playing different material like you did when you were kind of putting together the first one. So this you know writing and recording a second record, you really just need to back yourself and kind of please yourself really. And that's all we were kind of trying to do. Hope you know kind of crossing our fingers in the knowledge that you know if we were gratifying our own kind of artistic endeavor, then you know other people would be gratified from the product. You think that's such an obvious thing that I don't think a lot of, or not a lot of bands, but some bands obviously don't get. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have the cliche of the sophomore slump. But mm. I don't know, because a lot of that, you know, especially when you guys are on the track that you guys, that you were on, you know, it leads to probably having to write a lot of this on the road and, and you get the road records. But when I listen to this, I don't hear a road record at all. And I don't know if you guys were conscious of that. Um, I think you know a lot a lot I think a lot happened in people's personal lives during the touring and that informed a lot of the writing um a lot of the writing was was done on the road as you say but you know it's kind of impossible to see an idea through to the end when you're on the road mm-hmm. you know just cause it's kind of pr- practical kind of problems you know you can't all just you know set up in a room somewhere and you know practice and record stuff you know you've got places to places to be and people to meet and all that kind of stuff so the two years that we were kind of on tour after recording the record everyone was kind of it was almost like everyone was sketching you know and at the end of this the two-year touring became you know we got ourselves a little rehearsal room and we started looking at the sketches and you know we maybe had 50, 60 plus kind of half ideas, you know, half songs, you know, a couple of riffs, a couple of musical ideas and just started to kind of work through them and kind of go what feels good. And that was that was more or less the process, really. I, I think it's actually one of the most impressive things about this record is there's so many different styles on it. Is, is, is that because I probably hear it differently than you hear it, <laughs> you know, especially when you're the songwriter, you, you know, you definitely do hear things differently. But it, it feels very varied in, in a way that I found surprising. And I don't know, I, I, I wondered if, I, if you would attribute that to just because so much of this was written, sort of, uh, as you're saying, almost like piecemeal. No, no, I'd say for us, for us, musical, kind of musical output is always a reflection of songwriting. And, you know, certain songs need a certain kind of mood to put them in the right context. And, you know, there's so, you know, a song like Yuck Fu, it's a song about, it's a song about anger. And, you know, how do you make something sound angry? You know, you, you make it sound, you know, you make it as aggressive as possible. You kind of, you know, bump up the higher frequencies. You kind of make the guitar sound a little bit gnarlier. You, you know, your approach is aggressive. Whether it's if you're doing something like, you know, after the zero hour or uh, maybe don't delete the kisses or something that has a kind of softer kind of sentiment behind the songwriting, you kind of, you take a new, a fresh look at it and say, okay, what does that, what does the song need in order for it to achieve its potential? And that's, you know, kind of musical context, really. Where did the sound sound uh, of don't delete the kisses come from because like i i know the story you know coming from the lyrics about a kind of a straight ahead love song but that i mean is that it's i don't know what the guitar is doing or something is that just messing around or or the music in that song or or what because it's such an interesting happening that's going on behind those lyrics yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of synths in that one that was kind of a bit of it was a it was a real challenge for us because you know we're not really uh, too well versed in 
in synthesis. So yeah, I mean there is a lo- there is a load of guitar in there, a lot of textural kind of stuff going on in the background. But it just yeah, it always just felt appropriate for that song to have synthesizers in. Um, maybe because you know we wanted to kind of give it that kind of I don't know driving feel or it's a it's a hard one. It's a hard one to kind of voice mm-hmm. the decision behind that one really because it just felt appropriate. It's one of those songs, you know, the first time you hear it, it's so grabbing. Uh, in fact, I, I, you know, I had a guy that I work with just a few hours ago kind of bring that up. It was one of the first times he had heard it, and it was one of those, like, what was that moments, you know, which is, you know, I think it was what we all like connecting to, you know, having those little moments. It's, it's uh, anyway, the compliments is what I'm giving you here, <laughs> trying to oh, anyway, well, no. because. Oh, no, thank you. That's, yeah. that's definitely an intention. Thank you so much. Yeah. You mentioned Yuck Fu, of course. It's such an interesting part of the record that you guys come out swinging because it defies everything anyone knew about you at that point, and that, that's got to be fun, catching oh, everyone off guard like that. Completely. Um, you know, some of our favorite records and some of our favorite artists, you know, they do that, and it's, it's so exciting. You know, like, like, you know, whenever Beck releases a record, mm-hmm. people aren't expecting anything other than to be, you know, surprised. They're not expecting something to sound like Beck because, you know, what does Beck sound like? Right. Or someone like Patrick Wolfe. Who's a big who's a big influence on us you know what's more exciting than that and what's more kind of artistically liberating than kind of being able to just do what you want yeah. and sit back and let everybody else wrestle over what it means I know, right it's music although I, I will say you know some songs are great you know for the perfect time and the perfect place and you know it, it is an angry song and in, in you know it's a time when I think we're all angrier uh, you know I've, I've followed what you guys have done with um you know things that you're speaking out about with refugees and everything like that and i certainly feel like that comes out on this record too i don't know i mean you've had the luxury of watching both of our countries uh, go through just a really messy time <laughs> i don't know if that's a privilege or well <laughs> you, you, I, that's what i'm wondering is like you know you, I, I feel like you get to see this through a bigger lens than even some of us do who are so you know in the blinders of what's going on here because it's almost nearly identical to what's going on in the uk uh, how's that affected you yeah. all you know i mean it can't help but affect you i mean i think you know we're all we're all kind of painful lefties wolf alice really all of us um and uh, the left has been very quiet over the last couple of years and kind of I think all the stuff that's happened has just kind of finally gotten the community of, you know, the left-wing political community in the UK kind of a little bit more mobilized and kind of, I think we're a reflection of that. And, you know, the kind of stupid fucking things that have happened in the last two years are kind of unbelievable. You know, you wouldn't believe it if someone told you a couple of years ago that all this would happen. You know, you just go, all right, well, you've got to take some responsibility. You know, if, if the right's been mobilized enough to make all these changes and, you know, make this stupid stuff happen, make Brexit had to make Trump happen, you know, all this stuff, then, you know, you've got to take some responsibility and go, all right, we, we've got to stand up and, you know, communicate our views. Which I appreciate uh, entirely. Did it, you know, w- w- when you were touring through it, I mean, is there a strong difference, I would say, between the two? You know, especially, I'm, I'm guessing, middle America when you're driving through it versus, you know, whatever the parallel is, you know, for the UK and something like that. I mean, were you getting a sense, you know, of the, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, were you getting a sense of the opposition? <laughs> uh, kind of. It's, it's hard, you know, when you're in a band, you're in such a, you're in such a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a, we live in a bus and 
you know, go to a music venue and, you know, a load of music fans turn up and those are the kind of, you know, those are the people we meet and we go to radio stations and talk to like-minded individuals such as yourself. So we definitely do live in somewhat of a bubble, so it's kind of difficult to see that. But I don't know, you just got to turn on Fox News, really, haven't you, when you're over here to yeah. get a picture of that? I mean, you don't have to turn it on, but, you know. It's <laughs> no. It's I would recommend not turning it on. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, though. It's interesting to get the uh, other side. Yeah. What kind of very kind of loose opinion they have or whatever it is. Yeah. Beyond all of that, this documentary sounds so interesting. And this isn't a straight ahead. I mean, um, can, can, you, can you talk about what the actual, uh, I don't know, slant is on this? Because it's not what you would just think of as a band rock doc, road doc, right? Yeah, well, it's, you know, in many ways, it's nothing to do with us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of feature as uh, extras almost, really, to be honest, um, in a fictional love story set in a non-fictional tour. Um, two crew members who were actors um, planted in planted in our crew and um, stories about their relationship within the context of a Wolf Alice tour. Yeah. Did you guys come up with the idea or was this the director that came to you? Oh, no, like I said, like we, we really have little to do with it. We had, but had very little to do with it at all. Wow. It's a producer called Michael Winterbottom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the uh-huh. 24-hour party people. Oh, I've seen it many, many times. Well, that was him. Uh, he's done numerous other things. And it was an idea he had quite some time ago, I think. Funnily enough, a little bit strange serendipity. He was he was in talks with our current manager maybe 15 years prior. He was talking to our manager about the band that he was managing at the time. Um, and they were a band called Ash. So it's an idea that he's wanted to do for a very long time, I think. And, uh, yeah, we, we got to do it, what was it, almost two years ago now. They came on tour, on our UK tour. I can't wait to see it. I mean, it really does. It just sounds so interesting to me, the way it's spun. And fresh, I, I guess is the word, when you're talking about these type of things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'd question whether it's of, <laughs> of vast interest to anyone that's not particularly interested in Wolf Alice. Um, but it's, I think it's an interesting insight into tour. Well, there's a lot of people, luckily, that's interested in Wolf Alice these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, uh, it was nice talking to you. It was a pleasure. And, and thanks for this record. It really is just a, a, hell, of a, a hell of a comp. So I appreciate the, the talk about it, too. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting and, um, and getting involved. And hopefully yeah. we'll see you, uh, see you down at a show someday in the air. Would love to. All right, man. Well, take care. Thank you very much. You have a good day. And again, thanks to Ellie and Joff for the new conversation. Uh, The Wolf Alice record, the third one, is called Blue Weekend. Big thanks to you for coming here, checking out this episode, uh, listening to the whole thing if you've made it this far. Uh, Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the new interviews that we put out every single week. Brand new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at all the usual podcast hotspots like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, at WFPK.org. Consequence, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Kyle Meredith. All three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Uh, Like and follow. Make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition on Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Even the introverts were out there.
It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.